0: Sheikh Abdullah Hakim Quick. Assalamu alaikum. How are you, sir?
1: Walaikum as wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah.
0: We have you on this podcast because A, it is Black History Month here in the United States. I think England does this in October, am I correct? So um, it is Black History Month. Um, you are, in my opinion, my humble opinion, someone who's qualified to give that balance between dealing with Islam and the ethnic cultural information that is necessary that I do not consider racism. Racism is something else. This is cultural information that's necessary, that we need to have, and every people have their culture. Unfortunately, we were brought up in a culture or a mindset to teach us that cultural identity equals racism, and it does not, okay? So uh, we brought you on this On this podcast, this is my first time doing this. We brought you on this podcast to talk about the necessity uh, of of this kind of information and how to bring a balance into the ummah, and how, as Allah has taught us in in, in, uh, uh, the 49th surah, uh, 13th ayah, in terms of getting to know one another, getting to know one another is not. On one level may be people just greeting one another, knowing, but really knowing one another and becoming aware. You don't have to become a scholar, but have an overview of people's histories and understand who they are. Not everybody necessarily, but if you're gonna interact in a people's nation or you're gonna come into a land, you should be aware of those people's information and their background. Then you get to know them a little better. So I feel that the information you have is a nice balance in terms of us practicing the dean and also in terms of this Americans, um, Muslim Americans of African descent, as well as Caribbean uh, Muslims of African descent and other people in the African diaspora, Canada, you name it, Central America, South America of African descent. We need to know this because it was strategically and it's been repeatedly being removed to keep us at a disadvantage. So that was the reason why we, why I wanted to bring you on this. Um, but. For the sake of those who might not know your background, can you give us a little bit of your background?
1: As-Salāmu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Alaykum uh, I pray that uh, this session would be a source of understanding, a source of peace, uh, and a source of progress uh, in our minds. Um, I'm your brother Abdullah Hakim Quick. Uh, I was born in Boston, uh, raised, you know, in the Boston area. Um, in terms of background, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an African-American with uh, West Indian or Caribbean uh, roots uh, as well. Alhamdulillah, I, I had the opportunity to be involved in the African awareness, the Black awareness struggle from in the 60s. And it is through the Black awareness struggle that I eventually embraced Islam, went to Medina. I was the first American to graduate from the Islamic University of Medina. I came back and went into the field of teaching, uh, and not only uh, teaching in Los Angeles, California, uh, in, in, in Jamaica and the Caribbean, but also in Canada. Uh, and alhamdulillah, I was able to get a master's and PhD in African history as well. Uh, so I've been traveling around, I've been to 63 countries doing research, um, and presently um, with the Islamic Institute of Toronto in Canada. So the point I wanted to make. Uh, at the outset, is that this being Black History Month uh, is important not only for people of African descent, but for all people. Because it's been documented now and recognized that probably the greatest crime that has happened in North America, Central America, the Western world, we could say, after genocide, after the killing of the indigenous people and enslaving uh, people from the African continent was the wiping away of the history and the achievements and the legacy of the indigenous people and of African people. This is a horrendous crime. And uh, because of this, in 1926, Khadijie Woodson, uh, a number of um, African-American historians, they developed Negro History Week, we we, we might say Black History Week, Uh, but eventually it was adopted uh, by the United States government They chose February uh, because of the the, uh, birthday of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Um, And it was adopted by the U.S. government in 1976 and by the Canadian government uh, in 1995. And so this period of time where people reflect on the African continent, on enslaved uh, African people, on the legacy, the history, the struggles, I believe today is is more relevant than it ever was. And if you look at the the events today, we're finding books being banned. We're finding a backlash happening from the uh, Euro white population, uh, you know, wanting information concerning the history of the Americas and the legacy and what has actually happened on the ground not to be taught to children, not to be included in, in the popular discourse and narrative. And so this is a very serious issue because what, what I'm talking about, what scholars are talking about is not what they call critical race theory, you know, where you try to get this theory, uh, a narrow approach. No, it's not critical race theory. This is the actual history of the Americas. That's mm-hmm. all we want. We just want the truth. And, and, and that is of critical importance. And and, and because many of the listeners are Muslims, uh, I want to make it clear that this is relevant to Muslims, just as it is relevant to people of other faiths. And many Muslims might say, well, there's no racism in Islam, Uh, so this is irrelevant to us. But this is a crime. This is intellectual, educational, imperialism, genocide. That has gone on. And Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. When he was a young man at, at 12 years old, before the prophethood, and this is relevant even though he wasn't a prophet, he witnessed a, a battle in Mecca known as Harbal fijar uh, which, which was the sacrilegious war. And at the end, there was a great alliance that happened uh, there in Mecca. And, and And that alliance came together in order to um to stand against oppression, to stand against injustice, and to vindicate the poor and the oppressed, so the prophet Muhammad was he was a young man, still a teenager, and after he became the prophet, he was asked what what would you do if this Hfil fudul, this this alliance came about uh, for these reasons to to Stand for justice, to stand against oppression," he said. "If it happened today, I would join the alliance." And so that is a clear indication for those who follow the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, as the basis of their life, that it is Sunnah. And, and there's a concept in Islam called Amru bil ma'ruf wa al munkar," calling to the good and forbidding evil. So this is one of the greatest evils. that that humanity is facing now. It is the evil of white supremacy, of racism, and how it impacts on our society. And so this is a crucial point I wanted to make uh, at the outset.
0: Well, um, as I was listening to your response, um, what came across to my mind is, um, I don't know if you ever heard about the curriculum of inclusion. There was an attempt in the 80s I'm familiar with it being uh, in the New York area that they were trying to take the case to court. A court, of course, they were met with um, you know blocking it to prevent it from ever coming about. But what was said back then was, if we can get our case to court, see the problem when in terms of uh, how we have, because of our various uh, experiences, A, us here in the Americas and in the Caribbean, and B, the people who are from other countries, Muslims or non-Muslims. But the color concept has been so normalized that people automatically think, if you're saying the curriculum of inclusion, you're just talking about what is commonly called Black history. Right. The the curriculum of inclusion was to include, as I understood, to include all people's history and their contributions to the United States. Right. And it is with that understanding that Muslims in particular and people in general must come to understand this is not about uplifting of one ethnic group of people. This is about uplifting all the people who have helped and contributed to this country that we are all citizens of, in mm-hmm. the past as well as in the present. So what I'm hearing in terms of what you're doing and what I've been aware of over the years, over the 30 something years that I've been aware of your, your work and have con- been in contact with you, um, is that you know, you're on the right course. It's just that we've been trained to think, we've been conditioned to think And this is sometimes why you even get it from Muslim Americans of African descent who say, well, Islam is not about racism. It's not racism, brother. It's not racism, sister. You're looking at it because you're looking through the eyes of how the supremacists put the thought out there. And as a result, you're thinking along those lines. But the reality is we need to learn about one another and the history must not be blocked. Because if you block it, the problem will exist. You will never get to the root of this thing. And I just want to add that.
1: Yes. You know, and again, you know, touching on that you know, point with the Muslims, um, many times, uh, brothers and sisters, I uh, will say, well, what's your proof? What relevance does this have to Islamic scholarship? And I want to you know, bring you a passage from a great scholar, Abdurrahman Ibn al-Jawzi. This is in the 13th century AD, and this is one of the most prominent scholars in Islamic history. And again, we say, well, there's no color in Islam. There's no, definitely. Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, in his last sermon, he said clearly uh, that there is no preference of Arabs over non-Arabs, or vice versa. There's no preference of white over black, or vice versa. And along with other important issues, he gave the trust to his followers to take it to the rest of the world. And Islam established a society that did not base the merit of an individual on color or ethnicity, but on taqwa, on their piety and their right action. Now, when Islam spread to different parts of the world and going through the history, uh, issues arose. And this issue of race, which is something which has been bothering humanity from the beginning of time. It's like the basis of tribalism and nationalism uh, and racism. But I want to read this passage to you, you know, because this is something that most people don't have access to. Ibn al-Josie said, I saw a group of eminent Abyssinians, like Ethiopians, who were disheartened because of their color. I explained to them that respect is granted in accordance with good deeds rather than by a pleasant appearance. Thus, I wrote this book to recall the virtues of a great many of the Abyssinians and black people." And he, he wrote a book uh, which is Illuminating the Darkness Concerning the Virtues of Blacks and Abyssinians. Tanwir al-Ghabash fi fadl sudan wal And so he illuminated the darkness Now, why would a a 13th century Arab scholar bring this point out? This is the 13th century. And look how long it's been, 800 years. But this is an issue that has plagued even the Muslim community uh, dealing with anti-Black racism. And and, and so we, we have to recognize the fact, and this is something for all people who want to deal with this, because racism rears its head in many different forms, that racism, you could look at it as a triangle. On the top of the triangle, the head of racism is the ideology, It is the ideas. It is the history and the information where one group proves or so-called proves its superiority over another group. So that's the basis of racism, it's an ideology. The ideology then, gives expression through racist attitudes or racist expressions in the sense that calling people by names, acting racist and negative. And that's how most people see racism, using the N word or the C word or whatever it is. But the third part of racism is systemic institutionalized racism. Mm -hmm. And, And that is where the color of your skin, your ethnicity, will impact your upward mobility within the society. So when we are looking at white supremacy, we have to realize that all of these factors are involved. There is the ideology of white supremacy, which it is born out of ignorance. Uh, and and through fear and isolation, uh, it is able to, to isolate groups where one group feels they are superior, in this case, The European white group feels it is superior and the people of color feel they are inferior. Both groups are sick. Mm -hmm. They can't really function properly. And so to deal with racism, to bring the true history is to really bring a cure, not only for black people, it's a cure for all people who are suffering in the world. And I believe that this issue of race is one of the primary issues that we have to deal with. And as Muslims, after dealing with Aqidah itself, you know, our belief in the creator, this issue of race is impacting everything that we're doing within the societies, because white supremacy has now become an international phenomenon. Because of the educational systems, because of the uh, internet, you know, and mass communications, The, the, the concept of developed nations being the european nations underdeveloped nations being the so called third world this is all over all over the world that's how people think they say that the third world how can africa and asia especially africa be the third world when the original civilizations came from the south and it went north but white supremacy would make you think that everything came from north and went south that the north is developed intelligent, organized, the South is brutal and poor and ignorant and negative. So by dealing, number one, with the ideology, with bringing the history, uh, with all sides of it, then we are breaking the back of white supremacy right from the beginning. And we are developing what you could say is not history, his story, but it's our story. And so that's what we're looking for. We're looking to bring us to, and that includes the history of Europe as well, because you cannot take out the history of Europe, of the world, because white supremacy is dominating the world. But let's put things in proper perspective.
0: Well, you know, as I'm listening to you, uh, and I was just jotting down notes, um, one, um, one thing is that, Number one, in terms of the beginning of human beings, um, I remember when I was in high school, 1972, I read a book by Basil Davidson, Mm -hmm. and in that book, he was detailing the fact of human being beginning on the continent of Africa. So I would take the position, Black history is not just for Black people, it's human history. And, but the problem again, is this color consciousness that creates a confusion. Um, that's one. The the other thing is the the fact that the setting up of white supremacy initially and for many years did not include all European people. The Irish, when they came to America were not considered white. Uh, And there were a number of East European and Southern European groups that were not considered white. You had to come from a particular section of Europe to be white. Italians were not considered white. Irish were not considered white. As the movements for independence began to happen, there was a shift to bring the other ethnic European groups into being identified as white. But initially, they weren't. The American presidents, as you very well remember, since you're from the US and you're just a few years older than me, the first time they had an Irish Catholic president in the United States was John F. Kennedy. And the country had been around for hundred and some odd years. And it was great celebration in the Irish Catholic community. And I, being a young boy in Catholic school at the time, became aware of that even though the Catholic school I went to was mainly African-American, Caribbean-American, and Latino-American children. But there was just, oh, he's, he's Catholic. He's like, us. Uh, they didn't even have a Catholic president until the 1960s. The second one is in office right now, Biden. All the other presidents had been white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant. So there was a way of identifying at that time. But what has confused people is that they now think because, oh, no, I'm white. No, you wouldn't have been considered white. This is why Jews were being discriminated against. As a friend of mine told me one time in Miami Beach, The sign said no Jews, no dogs, no niggers, because the Jews were not considered white people. But as time shifted and they had to open the doors to bring more people to their side to support their side, not talking about European people. I'm talking about the promoters of racial supremacy in the European group. They added in these other groups and these groups became a part of that and identified as being that. You haven't had a Jewish president. Consider consider the people who have died in war for this country. You've never had a Greek president. You've never had an Italian-American president. And you've had people who are Italian-Americans who died for the country, who fought for the country, and they're not. You've had Jewish-Americans of European background. Same thing. You've only had white Anglo-Saxon Protestants and now two Catholic presidents. So it has to be understood that when they talk about the white race, initially it didn't include these other groups. So don't feel offended when this conversation is brought up. We're talking about an ideology that has been very divisive and very poisonous and keeping human beings fighting with one another because of this color consciousness.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so, so therefore, what, what we're uh, embarking on uh, this month, you know, is to bring uh, solid information to 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 people, uh, easily accessible uh, information, where they can actually, in a positive way, uh, get the experience. You know, the, the the black Muslim experience. Now we have, because uh, you know, we 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 focus this especially at the time of George Floyd uh, situation, and especially in the Muslim community, um, we focused on the black Muslim experience. But this, of course, when I say Black Muslim, I'm talking about starting from ancient Egypt. So it's really going all the way back, you know, and bringing out information that that is not known uh, to the public and and, and especially to the Muslim community. So that course uh, is uh, available uh, as well as uh, African Sunrise, which is showing the history of Islam. Uh, in North Africa and West Africa, and focuses on a great African scholar, Shekothman Denfodio. Hmm. And that's something that many people have have not had access to. Who are the great scholars in Africa itself? What are the contributions made by African people? This is a positive approach. Also, uh, the third course is The Empire Strikes Black, and and, and that is dealing with um, uh, African people, Muslims in East Africa. So it goes back to the ancient Egyptians, the Somalis, the Swahilis, and their relationship with Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. What was happening nice. in that region from ancient times? So these courses are now uh, being made available, and you can look through. Number one, you know my Facebook page, uh, that is Sheikh Abdullah Hakim Quick, public figure, or you can go to the Instagram which is uh, uh, abdullah hakim quick and there is also uh, the youtube uh, there is abdullah.quick so you look up these areas youtube in, you know instagram the facebook you'll see the ads which will take you right into the place and we're actually basically given these these courses for free or for a very symbolic price uh, so that people can have access to it and 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 it opens the door it's not the complete uh, discussion, but it is opening the door. And that is important today uh, to deal with the ideology of white supremacy. Because without the ideas, without the distortion of history, then the whole premise of white supremacy falls away. If Christopher Columbus did not discover America, and, and that is something that for years uh, the, the governments battled for uh, in the United States, it was like a statutory holiday. There's there's more uh, cities named Columbus than than maybe any other name. So Columbus is such an important thing. But he didn't discover America. The whole premise of Columbus Day is a lie. It's false. The same way that the Washington Redskins have to change their name to the Washington Commanders. It has to change. And, And so it begins with our minds, It begins with knowledge, with solid knowledge. And and, and this is important to break down that uh, wrong premise, which is the basis of racism. And this should impact how we treat each other. And that's, for instance, the case of the the Redskins turning to commanders, commanders. You know, that's the racist attitudes. That's the expressions. Okay. But the next level is the institutionalized racism where people of color, and we're dealing here, especially with anti-Black racism, have been systematically kept out of the education system, you know, out of owning property. And and the more this history is coming out, and, and because of researchers, because of internet, so much of this information is coming to the surface that we're actually getting states in the United States uh, and, you know, schools trying to ban information. Now, that's something that you you'd think would go back to the Middle Ages
2: mm-hmm. or
1: would go back to when the Spanish conquistadors uh, came into the Americas and they burned every book they could find, you know, book burning. Or for me from Massachusetts, you know, it's how the Puritans, you know, you know, burnt books and burnt women at the stakes, yeah. you know, it, it would take us back to that. This is what's happening now. Why is it happening? Because we struck a nerve. And that nerve is knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's the actual history of the Americas, the actual history of the world, which I believe is a medicine. It's part of the cure for the wars that were going on, for the racial hatred, for the tribalism, that that we need to end in order to save the human race. Mm -hmm. We're about to destroy ourselves. And so this is not an attack. this is a cure uh, to, to cure the, the evil of racism from the minds of, of human beings
0: hmm. well um you' you you're linked to getting your 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 uh, take advantage of this whoever's listening take advantage of this sale because I was in two of these courses um, and it's a very good uh way to kind of generally as i explained to someone recently um that the course what didn't require homework or anything like that it it, uh, and there was minimal interaction between the students and the Sheikh in the way of you know maybe question and answer session but the thing is that it's a door opener for a lot of people i even shared it with someone that i know who um, is not Muslim. I shared it with a few people. And so, you know, it's a way of learning. It's a way of door opening. It's, it, it, it's on a level that can reach a lot of people. Um, it's very well put together. And, and um, you know, it's a way of starting off and getting that information. But not only for people of other ethnic groups, but particularly for people of African descent. Because there's a lot of information, as the Sheikh said, when he did the first one, he said at the very beginning, the first one was October 2020. That was Black Muslim experience from Mecca to the Americas. He said there's a lot of misinformation being put out there. And might I add, not necessarily deliberately, you do have people deliberately putting out misinformation, but you have people who unknowingly passing on information that is... Is, is they think is positive, but it, it, it wouldn't be able to stand the test in terms of being actual solid information. So I would highly recommend anybody, everybody, whatever your ethnic background be, you should partake of this and, and also learn of the Muslim um, ancestors that were on this land in the North Americas, in Central and South America. And if I'm, any people on the continent are listening, right now, any people who are of Mandinka background right now, Fulani background right now, or any of the other backgrounds. But I mentioned those two because those are the two that came to my mind. And those are the two that fall in my blood lineage also. I did my uh, African ancestry and, and on my mother's side that came up, Fulani, Mandinka, and three other ethnic groups. If you're listening right now, you need to know this information to make a connection. Because people who, de- who were taken from the continent or who left the continent, because there were people who left the continent before chattel slavery even began, and they came to the Americas. The Sheikh could talk about that, and many of you who are aware of that, uh, Dr. Isaac Van Souterman's book, They Came Before Columbus, you had that group that came into the Americas 200 years before, or maybe close to 200 years before Columbus even got to the island of Hispaniola because he didn't get to the he didn't get to the continent of the United States he got to what is now the Dominican Republic in Haiti and in his ignorance thought the, he was in India as I remember reading many years ago and mistakenly called the people Indian they are first nations people so um I highly recommend that you get this course Sheik do you want to add anything else
1: um yes uh we want to keep that connection going, you know, because Black History Month was was not intended to be just in February. February is the shortest month of the year, and it's the coldest month of the year. You know, this is something you know which should impact uh, all people all the time. We're talking about uh, not critical race theory. We're talking about the actual history of the Americas, and 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 this is important for all groups. But what is happening now is that. The amount of injustice that has uh, happened to people of African descent during the slavery period and the ongoing oppression it has reached such an extent that when we bring out the documentation, it is overwhelming. It, it is shocking for many people to actually see it. But it is crucial. It's crucial to cure ourselves today and, and to bring about uh Peace and justice in the land, because there can't be peace and justice, you know, we, without truth. You have to have truth, and and so this is the basis of, you know, our understanding, uh, and you know, our reaching out, you know, to the public.
0: I want to add something. Um, it was something that I first heard in two thousand four. Since then, I've heard any numbers of shayuk or people mention it, but the first time I heard it in two thousand four was at the uh, teskil Nevs retreat of Sheikh Mokhtar Mugrawi. That is, he said, Iblis was probably the first racist. And when he said that, that opened a door in my mind. That opened a door in my mind that I had never thought about. And the other door that opened in my mind was a gentleman who has since passed on named Noel Nol- Enoch had out a book before the irish became white i went with not knowing anything to it where he was giving a talk and those two things helped me a lot to understand the evils of colorism and racism and um i just want to add that in uh because again and, and and i've said it earlier there's a confusion when you talk like this, most people say, well, you're being racist. No, this is not being racist. This is a history that has to be told. If you want to deal with the problem of why we still can't confront racism, this is, one of the, this is one of the reasons. There's a couple of other pieces in the puzzle that have to be there. you know. But this is one of the reasons. To elevate any group of people to be superior over another people, whether it's an ethnic group, or as we have been taught to say, a racial group—that's a sin. That's clearly a sin because nothing is higher than the Creator, and the Creator is nothing like in creation.
1: Yes, I so, wanted to um, to include uh, Sheikh Suhaib uh, again. Uh, if you have something to add to this or to wrap up uh, with our discussion,
2: I'm I'm just here to benefit and really appreciate uh, the insight. I think. One question I would ask you is like, you know, Imam Bazzari says that the Tamrah of the ilm is ibadah. At the end of the day, the fruit of all acquired beneficial knowledge is to translate it into service. How how do you see this being central? Because in many ways, some of these things are kind of like a subtle form of idolatry or even an explicit form of idolatry. How do we translate this into worship? Like. This These ideas of white supremacy are going to come between a person and ikhlas with Allah. The first khutbah I ever heard in my life was by a Moroccan shaykh. And th- this was during the Rodney King uh, era. And I walked in, this is the very first, first week as a Muslim. And he said, if you have a problem with any creation, you have a problem with the creator of creation. That's right. So how how, how also coming back to this, because sometimes Muslims get caught up in the language and nomenclature of activism and forget that the purpose is to get people to Allah, right? get them to the rug. What would your be advice is how to kind of channel some of these really serious problems, say for me, like as a white person, when I talk to white people, how do I use this as a way to say, look, whoever you are, you're wrong with God. Like, you're just not wrong with people. This is wrong with God. This is wrong with Allah. What, what advice would you have for us folks out here trying to kind of calibrate and redirect and utter people to Tawheed to, through this?
1: Yes, um, what we're understanding today is that the evil of racism and tribalism uh, has permeated people's thinking. And so really to break down that division, to break down the ignorance is a form of worship. Because when we look at the word Ibadah itself, um, in its essence, um, there's an aspect of it that includes ritual worship and that is where we are praying and we are fasting and but but ibadah you know deals with all aspects of our life so so that if a person is for instance uh, calling to the good forbidding evil if they, if they're helping out a person who is in need all of that is ibadah if, if a person is 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 studying knowledge and and and, and trying to come to grips with uh, wrong ideas. That in itself, with the right intention, can be a form of ibadah. And, and so, what we're talking about is, is is bringing up humanity back to its natural essence, mm-hmm. uh, which is called the fitra. You know, and and that is the natural uh, relationship with the Creator. It's like the baby. When the baby is born, the baby is not a racist. The baby is not a nationalist. The baby is not a Democrat or a Republican. When when the baby is born, it's on the fitra. It's in the natural connection through the womb with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And that child then learns attitudes and understandings as it comes into the world and as it's impacted by the society uh, that's around it. So what we're talking about is to bring back that innocence, uh, in a sense, to human beings' thinking instead of prejudice, Prejudice is prejudgment. In other words, we're trained now to look at a person. You will look at their color. You'll listen to their language. You might look at the height. Are they short or are they tall? Are they physically fit or are they not? What type of shoes do they have on? And so we will tend to, human beings are being programmed to prejudge individuals. What the fitra is, is that you are not judging a person based on their color or their material things. But it is really the goodness, the piety that is in that individual. It's the love. That is the basis of it. So what we're actually bringing people back to is the fitra. And we have been so damaged by the educational system and by the propaganda, then there is a need to take some medicine. Mm -hmm. And that medicine, that medicine, as I say, anti-racism, is not just stopping calling people names you know, or, or attitudes, but it is the ideology. It, it is to break down that ideology of white supremacy and to show the achievements of all peoples, including Europe, by the way. And then in the third sense, systemic racism. To, to deal with this evil, if it affects our communities, if, if it affects our, uh, our masjid or church or whatever it is, If it affects our society, basing somebody on their color, upward mobility based upon ethnicity, that has to go. And and if this world is to be saved at this point in time, although we are going toward the day of resurrection, which is another uh, discussion. But, you know, if we are to have some respite before the qiyama, actually the big resurrection comes, then we have to come back to that fitrah. Which is uh, will be a beautiful form of the ibadah in all aspects of our life.
2: Subhanallah. you know Imam Razi. Sorry, Sheikh Bayan, you want to say something? No, 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 no. Go ahead. I'm I'm enjoying this. Imam Razi says something really remarkable about lita arafu. Right, we created you, and there's this musharaka right, of of a reciprocation of learning about one another. He said li arafu rabbakum. Right. That you've been you've been created in different tribes and nations so that, you know, your Lord and then you know who you are. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, especially with white supremacy, it's like you you white folks in general that are subjected to that. I can say this. I've seen it in Oklahoma. They learn a false narrative of who they are. Then they project that through a white God. I mean, honestly, and then they look at the rest of the world. That's right. And, mm-hmm. and, and I feel like for white converts in general in America, we have to, Black brothers and sisters have passionately done great work within the Black community to, to, to socialize even Islam. And now it's on us as white converts to get to white folks That's and right. bring that message to them. And it's not easy. As it wasn't easy in Harlem where I live, I was talking to Bayan about this. If I were a Kufi Sheikh, Non-Muslims will not only give me salam, black folks, they will get mad if I don't respond. That's right. And I'm like, are you Muslim? He's like, no, but I know what that greeting means. And then I said, you know, I got to get back to Oklahoma, man, <laughs> and, and reorganize the thought to these people. But I thought that, that, that Imam Razi's idea of ta'arafu, of Allah, and then you look at humanity through the lens of Tawheed is very profound. Mm.
1: Yes, I mean, the the concept, the evil of white supremacy, there's a very um, interesting um, statement that was made uh, going dating back to Carter Woodson and uh, other people. And that is that white supremacy is born out of hatred and ignorance. Fear is its father and isolation is its mother. Think about
2: this. He said it again?
1: Okay. White supremacy is born out of hatred and ignorance. Fear is its father, and isolation is its mother. Mm. Now, as, as 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 this is this would be a beautiful, um, you know, way to approach the dawa in the white community, because really, if you think about it, ignorance—it's it's the ignorance of knowledge. I mean, just the statement, if, if a person can, can see the fact that Columbus did not discover America, there's, there's 73 million people living here. I mean, if you can just start with that, if somebody agrees, say, OK, you're right. He didn't discover America. OK, so if you believe that he discovered America for all these years, something's wrong with your understanding of history. Mm. OK, so, so ignorance, right? And then fear. It's the whole fear mongering. And then being isolated. So, so, so to really, you know, encourage, uh, you know, young white people, in a sense, to, um, to study, you know, and, and to also to travel. And, and this is one of the beautiful things that was happening in the 60s. Because in the 60s, you know, the, the, the white communities and all the communities, especially the white community, because they had access to travel. They were traveling around the world and they were going into different cultures and understanding different religions. You know, that is being narrowed now because, you know, what is happening is there's a, there's a backlash that is going on. The backlash is saying, ban the books. Stop the discussions. You know, keep that division. Save yourself. There is a fear in the community that it, it, it is going to be overtaken. It'll be overtaken by uh, uh, Latino people. He'll be overtaken by uh, Black people, that the Native people are coming back. You know, that fear needs to be dealt with. And Mm -hmm. by by just showing what history really is, you will see, like in the case of African people, for instance, and, you know, I I, I just was listening to this, this clip came about a preacher. and, And he was saying, you know, Black people are the best citizens, are the kindest people that America has ever had. We fought in all the wars. We fought in the Revolutionary War. Slavery had hit us, right? We were, we were enslaved, but we still fought in the Revolutionary War. We fought in the Civil War. We fought in World War I. We fought in World War II. We fought in all the wars. You know. And then after that, people came back from the wars and they faced racism and discrimination. But they still forgave. They are still part of the society the japanese people they bombed pearl harbor they declared war on america but yet america gave them reparations they gave them you know for each japanese person you know they were they were given reparations they were actually paid by the government and treated well and so but black people who have suffered all this time haven't received any reparations And so that was a deep reflection. So, I mean, people, you know, there's no need to have fear. Everybody wants to live in a society. But it it is just the ignorance, hatred and ignorance, fear as the father, and isolation as the mother.
2: You know, what's, what's profound is even learning now has become extremely problematic just because of the amount of information that is shoved at people. So I found about Islam because a friend I was working with was like a pseudo-Muslim, Nation of Islam, Fahami, that, that kind of stuff. And he told me about the Quran. So I went to a library. It was very easy. I was very able just to grab a Quran and read. But now people find themselves inundated. It's like Portman's book, amusing ourselves to death. What advice would you have for even for Muslims who are getting caught up in kind of the nomenclature of the left and the right? and maybe even supplementing religious ideas with the ideas on the left and the right, what advice would you give to people in making sure they find correct information and correct knowledge?
1: Well, you know, it's important uh, for, for students and people in general to understand the concept of ilmun nafia, and that is beneficial knowledge. So it's not just knowledge for knowledge's sake, because there's a tendency today You know, with the uh, internet, the Snapchat and, you know, the Instagram and the TikTok and everything, people just want to surf, they want to laugh, they want to go. But at the end of the day, after they've spent four or five hours, what did they gain out of it? What benefit did they get? How did it impact their life? And so, you know, beneficial knowledge that can help the, the, the individual spiritually and also physically. You know, so, so this is important, you know, for people uh, to actually learn how to use the Internet, not just how to get on it, but how to use it and how mm-hmm. to filter out some of the negativity that is in it. Because it is still a very important uh, means of communication, but how to filter out the shaitan, the, 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 the wasted uh, energy and time, you know, and to get back to that beneficial knowledge.
2: It's like a new adab al ilm that's like, right. There be a new need for revamping the etiquettes of seeking knowledge in the age of TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and uh, Bayan. One thing I love about you, Sheikh, is you're always. Every time I contact you, you're in a class. So I, I want to hear. I, I, I contact him. He <laughs> inspires me. I start to feel lazy. I don't want to review my Quran. And he, he's like, I'm in a class right now with Sheikh Mukhtar. Any thoughts on kind of the things that we're we're talking about now?
0: No, this kind of discussion. This. Yes, let me rephrase that. Yes, I do want to say this. Um, it's it's very positive, and this is the kind of discussion that I've been looking for amongst us as Muslims in particular, human beings in general, but Muslims in particular, because we can't come to the world as Muslims when we still have this sickness in us. Yes, we must do our job and do dawah. We must individually. Or or, or or, collectively, but we must do that. But we must understand what went wrong with our people in whatever part of the world and how this mindset, whether it existed before colonialism or it came after colonialism, how this mindset has usurped us and prevented us from being more effective as Muslims and has created damage In the Muslim ummah, you can't, if you're a junkie, you can't go and you're not off the dope. You can't go to other junkies and say, you know, you need to get off drugs. You need to get off the drugs first. You need to heal first. And then in your cleansing and healing, you need to be trained and you can go back and counsel other drug addicts. But for you to be on the drug... In some fashion or form, you say, well, I just do it socially. I don't do it all the time. So for, you to, for for Muslims to go in and out of that mindset that we were talking about, of color consciousness, of racism, of subtle racism, whatever, but then you're going to come and talk about Islam is for the humanity, then people will see and they won't feel the, the, the genuineness, the sincerity. You have to clear that problem up in yourself personally, and we have to clear that problem up within us collectively. But in the meantime, we still have our obligation to do everything else. That doesn't stop us from doing that, but we have to clear up that problem in order to be more effective and to be more accepting by our Lord. That's right. That's
2: it. This this was uh, more than I could have ever dreamed of. And, and uh, Sheikh Bayan, thank you so much for making this happen. And you know, calling me that day and sending me pictures, and we had like a two-hour discussion, Sheikh, just on history and uh, Islam. And then name came up, and So may Allah bless you, Achi. Amin, mean, and, and the same for you and your family. Sheikh. Are there any final words from either of you? Incredible. Yes, words. Um,
1: you know, I, I would encourage um, our students and our friends to take advantage of you know what you know we're, we're offering. You know, through my Facebook page is Sheikh Abdullah Hakim Quick, public figure, or through the Instagram it's Abdullah.Quick. dot um, and the YouTube Abdullah Hakim Quick. Okay, and um, there there are courses now which are f- basically free, and because we're trying to get this information out to people to open the door to to, to see how beneficial knowledge can be used, and 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 what I'm doing as well with the courses is that uh, I'm having an open question and answer period. So just um, uh, two days ago, we had this uh, open Q&A and we had people from around the world uh, coming in um, based upon the courses that they've been taking and the information. You know, we had this interaction and we intend, inshallah, to have another one toward the end of the month as well, an open interaction, you know, to, to, to deal with these questions and deal with the you know, uh, the understandings that people are getting. And I pray that Allah would uh, enable us uh, to be able to right the wrongs and to stand for the truth and that Allah would forgive us for the mistakes that we made.